In my view, the time is long overdue for us to remove the federal prohibition on marijuana. What's up, guys? Welcome to this very special edition of the Gym City Podcast, uh, released on Monday, November 1st, 2015. And the reason that this is a very special podcast is because tomorrow, for the first time in Ohio's history, voters will have a chance to vote for Issue 3, which legalizes recreational and medicinal cannabis for anyone 21 and older. Um, it also opens up medicinal cannabis for, for patients and to go from dec- pretty much decriminalization to legal cannabis is a huge deal. So I thought it was a great opportunity to come to the local Green Fight meeting uh, the week before the election and talk to some of the people at the meeting. And um, we'll, we'll end up talking to our friend and former podcast guest, Bryce Keller. But I want to introduce our guest and get this podcast rolling. Um, whatever you feel on issue three, vote no on issue two. That's the, that's the biggest deal. But I want to welcome Patrick, Jim, and Sam. What's up, guys? How hey, doing? how's it going? Good. Um, so let's, let's talk about this. Let's, how did you guys get involved? I know Sam... You, you were on the podcast that we did. We did episode 150 for Gym City Podcast and also episode 179 for Tales from the Hard Side. Yep. And you were on that. We recorded it back in June of uh, 2015. And my eyes were really opened to what, this, to what this means. I was pretty much against what Responsible Ohio stood for at that point. And then my eyes were open. And... Uh, so I've been really passionate about wanting issue three to pass. How did you guys all get involved? And you guys can each, each take turns to uh, get to this point. I'm Jim. I more or less uh, read it in the paper. I've been sitting on the sidelines for a long time, looking in, just sort of scared to say anything, speak up. But since uh, I saw that issue three was coming and there was a movement, um, I, I went to a normal meeting. I started talking to Bryce, and uh, it opened my eyes a lot. I didn't realize how much medicinal value the plant had. Um, I just, you know, that's how I got involved. And since I got involved with Green Fight, I've just been sort of passionate about it and trying to sp- spread the word and make us all uh, not criminals in the state of Ohio, you know, here in a few days. No doubt. Uh, yeah, this is Sam, and I told my story before, but I'm I'm pretty new to the to the movement. Um, I got involved basically for medical issues, and the more and more I studied about the medical aspects of it, uh, the angrier and angrier I got. How I've been lied to all these years by the government and everybody from the the doctors to the, I mean everybody involved just flat out covering this up. So I just got angry enough. I had to get out here and and help get rid of the lies. Yeah. Um, I'm Patrick. Um, I got into it really because I used to, I mean, I used to grow, I used to sell, I used to be part of it, always been part of the community. Um, I'm also a surviving cancer patient. I also suffer from bone disease. 
Um, so it's really helped me out a lot in my life. Um, and then I got hold of ORG, and they sent me some petitions to start gathering for them. And I was kind of just doing it on my own, not really knowing too much. No one, I didn't know anyone around me. And then I ran in my friend Rachel in downtown, and she said, come to a normal meeting. And I said, okay. That's cool. Well, it, I, can't, I can't remember a time when a community was this divided um, on an issue in Ohio. The, the closest one was when gay marriage was uh, voted against uh, as a constitutional amendment back in uh, about 10 years ago or so. Um, and now we have this, and you have, you know, you would think something like this, where it would be full recreation and medicinal, would bring people together. And it, it has, but my goodness, it has divided so many people. Personally, like just before we recorded this, this podcast, I was receiving actual threats on Twitter from a, from a quote-unquote friend who said he, he would kick my teeth in. So there's, there's people behind the scenes that have been making money for a long time. And... I, I don't want to discredit those people. I know what what they do is considered illegal under under the uh, the laws, but they they have kept the fight going for a long time. It's just that now they've had so much personal stuff invested behind the scenes that they feel like the the lack of a free market prevents them from getting into this business. And as much as I I agree with them. I see the benefit of having legal, recreational, um, and medicinal cannabis available for adults 21 and older, and I believe that the market will sort itself out over a period of time. Yeah, Mich- I want to welcome Michelle. She was on the last podcast. What's up? Um, hi, this is Michelle Freiman, and um, I'm a clinical pharmacist. And so basically by being involved in this movement, I have actually been lobbying pretty much against my own profession. Um, and as for why are we going to do this model and all of that stuff, you know, those are great questions. And unfortunately, those people that are having their small grow operations or their large grow operations in the state of Ohio, I really don't know. What they don't understand is that the licensing fees associated with being a grower are going to be $250,000 a year. Now, If you were opening another business that you wanted to break into and that was the starting fee, which is actually relatively low, you could go and get a bank loan or business loan and break into the market. Unless you have the skill and the ability to grow and $250,000 in cash or a friend that trusts you that much to loan you that much money, please sit down. Please sit down. Because, I mean, to be honest, because I did choose a profession that's very lucrative, even though I've been lobbying against it, I can do that, and I'm not complaining. Sorry. <laughs> well said. And that's, well that's said. just the cash for the, for the license. I mean, and not to mention, and, else, and there's not a, a single bank that's going to loan you that money. Right, it's right. It's cash up front, period. They, everyone thinks that it's uh, cheap to get into that business, and it's just not. You're talking about computer systems, all kinds of equipment, being able to control climate, 
If you grow, if you grow indoors, anything, you know that you have to control climate. It's not just going to be, I'm going to plant this and put it in some media and then start having water running through it or however you expect it to go. It's not like that. It's a lot of work. You have to have people with the knowledge. Yeah. Sorry, I have to jump in here one more time. And also, you know, the facilities that have been opened up, the 10 grow sites are not 10 people that are only going to be growing. You know, we can have artisanal growers in there and basically it's like a mall space you need to rent out your little spot have your little etsy shop or whatever you want to call it of pot and you know you grow it and some of them are even providing the building for you and when really they could just say okay well there's your fifty thousand square foot area have fun and then you'd have to build your own building and everything else they're not i mean yes everyone in this world is out to make a buck but they're not the evil greedy giants that they're made to be and, well, and, and activists like us are not going to stop until we have we equal won't rights. Stop. I mean, so there's going to be craft growers at some point. There's going to be mom-and-pop shops that are going to be able to do this type of thing in the long run. But there's no way a state like Ohio is going to vote that in in one fell swoop. It yeah, just won't I, happen. A lot of people don't they, – they forget how conservative Ohio is in, in certain areas. That if you – Colorado has, currently has 700 grow, grow facilities. If you put on the ballot that there is going to be 700 grow facilities, people will freak out because they, the, even in, in the Dayton area, they didn't want a grow site in Moraine before anything was even set in stone what this was going to be about. Um, there's been a lot of misconceptions and a lot of misinformation that has been passed around. I want to talk about that a little bit. Um, do you, are you guys aware, uh, maybe you guys can answer this, are, is there going to be the possibility of leasing space as, as a, a, a business owner, leasing space in these facilities? Yeah, absolutely. Licking County, is, their growth facility has already said that, yes, they are going to do that, and I believe they've also agreed to provide the building, as I was just alluding to a little bit ago. Well, I really believe here in Dayton that a lot of the building owners are definitely going to be doing that because it's going to take their vacant buildings into something they can make money off of. And then, and if you go down down Dayton, there's nothing but vacant buildings. Did so you guys you can also bring discuss the uh, International Cannabinoid Institute? Not yet. No, it, we we just started when you when you came in. Oh, welcome well, then to I the have podcast. Yeah. You need another microphone, though. Uh, I know, I know. The Zoom, the zoom <laughs> that Jim. I have only hooks up for. Poor Jim got on the end here. <laughs> that, that is a, the $24 million research facility that you're talking about. Go ahead and expand on that. Um, basically, it's the um, Dr. Sue Sicily, who is a well-renowned doctor and um, very knowledgeable in can- cannabis and also PTSD. And basically, she is going to be involved in this $24 million facility that's going to be built north of Columbus area from my understanding and basically all they're going to be doing is researching cannabis, figuring out the strains, figuring out what strains are best for what conditions and then of course you know, sharing this information not only with Ohio but with the rest of the world so that we can adequately treat. The other thing I wanted to mention is this kind of goes alongside with the um, cannabis cannabinoid institute is that um, a, a nurse, a clinical nurse, and myself, a clinical pharmacist, have been going around and we've been trying to do education materials because, unfortunately, 
there's not going to be a drug rep out there trying to educate doctors, hospitals, nurses, whoever, about the new drug of cannabis, which is not really a new drug, but, you know, we'll call it that. So we're trying to bridge that gap, and we've been doing, um, we did our first talk actually yesterday. We're having another talk tomorrow where we're just out there providing educational information. This is how it works. This is the different strains. This is what you can do. This is how it became illegal. You know, and educating our seniors, which I feel like is a group that may have been kind of missed in this, um, because we just assume that they're going to be closed-minded, and they're not. And um, we actually had a really great response. We had some people that came into the room the other day that I, I could just tell were staunchly like, this is terrible, and and after they, they heard our, our explanation of everything, they flipped. You know, were, were, were they going to be out petitioning the crowds with me? No. But were they going to go in their little voter booth and probably check the, the no yes like we want? Yeah. Yeah, that ideal candidates for medicinal use. Yeah, they are. You get it's 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 just a perfect medicine for old age symptoms. Yeah, and uh, I'm sure a lot of you went through the Dare program as I did, and <laughs> I'm too old. <laughs> Dare stands for drugs are really expensive. <laughs> yeah, but for for those of us that went through the Dare program, uh, g- growing up in school, you really got fed this propaganda where. You, you begin you you may have begun to experiment and then you realize like oh I've been lied to and as a as a citizen of Ohio as somebody who I I go to a job I've been at for 20 years I raised two kids I have a drive-through in in the town that I live where I can go through and buy alcohol give them money they give me alcohol no questions asked and for somebody like myself, I see that I go out to restaurants. Everybody's got margaritas. Everybody's got their their beer and wine. I've been to football meetings when I've coached football, and uh, in in football, there's a lot of police officers who are involved. Everybody's having beer, and I just feel like the the stigma that's been attached to this plant has really caused a lot of people to have misinformation. And then on top of that, now you have um, a lot of the underground people who have been involved in the cannabis movement for a long time have so much misinformation, and they're like, wait till next year. Just wait till next year. Um, well, you, you, can't, you can't wait till next year because there's no guarantee that even next year is going to be possible. Yeah. So... But even if next year is possible, it will replace the current legislation. So we have a bird in hand, which you can vote for. And then we have this hopeful pipe dream that I'm so hopeful occurs that could replace it next year. Yeah, that, that, would, be, that would be the goal is to have people get behind that bill once, once this passes. And, and that was really what turned me when, when I came to the meeting is that Let's let's vote on this. Let's vote yes because do do we want prohibition? We or, can open those doors. Yeah, we can it, open it, the doors. It opens the doors, and I keep saying this: it sends a message to Ohio and to the government that that they can't ignore. For one, Ohio will be a tourist place. I mean, you look at how much money Colorado's making. They're making so much money. They're talking about giving money back to the citizens. Yeah. Um, crime rate is down. Uh, jobs are up. Traffic this is a green rush. There's a reason why it's called a green rush. 
and the amount of jobs that will come into Ohio. Ohio has 88 counties. There is 1,159 shops. If you do the math, it's roughly 13 or so uh, dispensaries per county. Think of how much money that's going to bring in with people having to build those shops, uh, the plumbers, the electricians, the the amount of people that are going to make money off of this. Um, one of my friends, the, the, there was a faci- somebody was awarded the the contract for the tent site, and from what I hear, the a master grower can make up to hundred thousand dollars under this current plan in Ohio. Um, I don't know what they're making now in in the black market, but I think if if you're able to go and make a hundred thousand dollars legally, also propelling the nation out of prohibition. Why would you not want that? Well, Lucky Luciano said it. It's just as hard to make a crooked million as it is to make an honest million. Um, The jobs that will be available will be lucrative. And we're a Rust Belt state. The auto industry left us a decade ago. There are a whole lot of people here that have been struggling with, no, you know, just mediocre jobs. Any job is good, but... Why not replace some of those mediocre jobs with good-paying jobs and enable people to send your kids to school or their kids to school, um, help help the local school boards, you know, or school school districts who are struggling that can't pass levies because all these people lost their jobs. So of course they don't want to pay higher taxes. You know, it's just down the line. It's going to benefit our state. Yeah, and I don't know who said it, but they said during the gold rush it was a good time to be in the pick and shovel business. I saw that. And just think of the ancillary businesses. The you mentioned the heating and air conditioning, the the builders. All, there's so many things. Glass blowers. Just there's so many jobs that could be done right here in Ohio. Well, I think it's really going to work out for not only just the people that are going to be involved in these businesses, but it's going to give a chance to the people like that. Even though they, it wasn't legal, but they were still growing, and they perfected how to make something that really helps them. And that's when the home grow comes into play. And it's like, don't don't sit there and criticize a market that you don't have to use. If you don't like the commercial market, that's cool. Grow your own. The then you don't have to buy it. I'm sorry. The idealism that's argued is just ridiculous. What if? What if? What about this? What about this? Well, if they do this, who cares what they do? How about we just follow the rules and everybody will get along just fine? Well, also, unless you grow and sell your own tomatoes, please hush. <laughs> yeah, uh, I. But I do. Uh, um, as a as a former cancer patient, how 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 would cancer patients? How would their lives be different if, if this was legal? My life was way different because my schedule of chemo treatments was uh, seven days once a month. And then I had a once a week treatment that was like two different kinds of medicines. Um, I was able When I would go home, I was able to help my mom around the house, cook dinner for her if she needed me to. I was able to function because I was able to use high-powered good marijuana that was benefiting me um they said that when you're on chemo you're supposed to have all this nausea and you can't walk and all this and not me you didn't get i had it. no problems i had no problems my mom did one side of one symptoms. chemo uh treatment and then she was like i felt like i was i was dying 
And she never did another well, one. Well, yeah, it's it's nuclear medicine. It is literally nuclear medicine. What they're they're breaking down your cells, and they think that you know if you just break down the cell, it's just going to kill cure the cancer. Uh, not necessarily, but it's also I mean more side effects come from that. It takes a thousand pounds of weed to overdose, and you know what an overdose is? You fall asleep. Yeah, very true. Very non toxic. <laughs> now, um, with with the support that. Uh, issue three is received. It's received support from Leap, uh, law enforcement um, officials, uh, Mark Emery, who is called the Prince of Pot. Uh, he's a cannabis activist from Canada. S- actually, spent time in in prison. Uh, National Normal, Huff, uh, Huffington Post had a great article uh, about basically stoners lying about all the all the propaganda behind it. Montel Williams. Uh, Hamilton County Prosecutor Joe Dieters and uh, the Athens Athens News basically gave a great article saying if you want marijuana legalized now is the time to do it don't wait there will be no next year the way I understand it if issue 2 passes there will be no next year the part in it where it specifies a schedule 1 drug and it states for this year the reason it states 2015 is so it can kill issue three when it passes. We are projected to be the next legal state in the United States of America. I think it's sad that we've made all this progress, and our own people that have went to bed with these prohibitionists are backing the prohibitionists and are trying to promote that to vote against it. They need to read it. They need to go and talk to somebody that knows what they're talking about and knows how to interpret that. That's going to block any further issues, bills, whatever you want to call them that the, that that's going to come through. It's just it's going to ha- it, yeah, it'll anything, keep it from anything happening. that specifies a tax rate, that right alone cuts out so many citizen initiatives that have passed in the in the past. Yeah. Yeah, that thing that thing's evil. That steals our democracy. My grandfather bled for it. My cousin gave the ultimate sacrifice in Iraq for it. I think, you know, I don't know that they would back this, but I'm telling you right now, issue 2 is a killer of the people's voice and takes away our democracy. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely really going to hurt us, and not only in in just marijuana. It's it's like you know, like Sam just said, it's any business with a tax rate, and that prohibits anybody coming into the state that's new to Ohio and wants to open up a business with some type of tax rate, and it's just not fair to. Anybody, really? Yeah. Now, Michelle, you you've been to uh, uh, you went to the Beaver Creek um, debate, I guess you would say. I I wouldn't call it a fair debate because there was one person versus a whole panel of people who are against it. Well, it definitely wasn't a debate. But the other thing is, and the little back behind the scenes knowledge that you don't know is that the one person that was added to the panel last minute was Rob Ryan, and he was the only one speaking for the topic. And he was added about 2 o'clock that, that afternoon, and the debate was at 7. So that's the behind-the-scenes thing where they really tried to stack that. And then um, there's also the lady that's there with her anti-buddy thing, and she tells she stands up and says that she has all this information and knowledge and experience and then doesn't say anything as to where it came from. Um, 
I mean, I could tell you, you know, that I know everything in the world, but, and she wouldn't back it up. Now, when I, not at that one, but at the Yellow Springs one, when I stood up and then I gave my credentials and then I stated my case, she was, it was, it was, it was terrible. It was terrible all the way around. And the only thing I can say about that encounter is that I'm very proud of Mr. Ryan for keeping his composure because, um, they were saying some very inflammatory things, some very incorrect things, he, and if he, you'd ask, he was them, writing them down, and he almost ran out of paper of all the things he could have I addressed. I used three pages myself. Yeah. Well, I would just like to say, you know, I'm not advocating, and I don't think anyone here is advocating giving children marijuana laced gummy bears. Oh, can I can I talk like about that. this? Can I talk about but this? I, I I'm sorry, Patrick. Let me just say this, not to hog it up, but. When they state that stuff about how marijuana affects the brain development in children and all that, I want to know where they're getting that information from. Who has given children, adolescents, early 20-year-olds, whatever, marijuana for a number of years to do a study? Well, what it is, is this is my thing, is I think it's been since like the 70s or the early 80s the government has lost control of pharmaceutical pills it is just as acceptable for a child to get into their parents pharmaceutical and pills it looks like candy and it looks like candy so how are you going to come at us and say oh you're going to make pot gummy bears that's that's ridiculous if you're a parent you're not dumb yeah and, and well th- hold on i disagree with that statement just because you're a parent doesn't mean that you have any intelligence <laughs> um, a good point I deal with the public, yes. Uh, I deal with the public on a daily basis. But um, the point of that is it does come down to parenting. You know, your kid can get into your bleach. How many kids die a year of, of swallowing Tide Pods? Yeah. Because they're bright and colorful and fun. Um, so, well, <laughs> anyways, um, it, I mean, it does come down to parenting, but... I am an advocate for giving kids gummy bears because if they need it, do I think you should give it to a normal, healthy, developing child at a normal rate? No, I don't. But, you know, I met some people today. I met Tara and her son, and he needs it. He has to take syringeful after syringeful after syringeful. It's like 24 syringes in a day in order to not have as many seizures. And that's not even eradicating his seizures. So, and then the other, um, um, Dana Kovac, her son, I advocate giving him all the gummy bears he can eat because he needs it. He's got, you know, a terrible cancer and a variety of health conditions. And she was almost put into tears the other day when I was with her because she got a phone call from the Cleveland Clinic telling her that she needed to go get this medication that she knows if she gives it to her son, it's going to cause him intense pain, but it's to make sure that his immune system is healthy enough to have another surgery. And not only does, is it almost putting her into tears and the tears were coming from the fact that she was going to have to give this to her son and she knew it was going to cause pain. And she was inquiring with me about whether it was going to interact with his cannabis or not. And if she could up his cannabis in addition to this to help assist with the pain, but also, at the same time, her family has to come up with $1,000 to get him this medication. 
Yeah, I actually know a person out in um, the Akron Akron area. His name's Jared Cassidy. He had a brain tumor at age 11. They were only able to remove half of it because if they remove the whole thing that was connected to, you know, vital nerves of the brain. And then it grew back just, I think, a couple years ago. And he just now graduated high school. But he said, he's, I just want access to my CBDs and I can function. Yeah. I would just like to see, you know, we mentioned the International Cannabinoid Institute be able to do their research to isolate this stuff and make better medicine, you know, make it better for these kids. That's um, really that's what Green Fight's right, about. That's yeah, what right, Green Fight is all right, about, is right medication. Na- right, right now, you know, it's in its raw form. The, the, you know, there has been a lot of research done by Israeli Dr. Raphael Meshalam, if I'm saying that correctly. But I would like to see it here, you know, and administer, you know, and, and it's submitted to the FDA and all that stuff. But it needs to be in its raw form. Yeah, that's, there's something very interesting about that. The reason that institute chose Ohio is because it's a constitutional amendment. Mm. It's constitutionally protected land, so it's not up to the whim of some legislature to pull somebody's license halfway through a long-term study. So it's very important when you're studying things that you have control over how long that study is going to last. Well, another thing that came up um, recently was also that Ohio, everyone says, oh, as goes Ohio, as goes the nation. Well, it's not really so true, but someone was drew a map, and I never really thought of this before. But if you take Columbus and you draw from 500 miles all around it, that is a huge chunk of the, of the nation uh, population-wise. You know, we have Philadelphia, we have St. Louis, we have Nashville, you know, all those cities. And, you know, we could, you know... It's going to spread like wildfire, you know. Everything kind of migrates east, west, north, south, and you're going to get a huge chunk of our nation behind this movement before you know it if, if we change things here in Ohio. And yeah. can you imagine how future debates are going to go if Ohio passes this next week? Well, presidential debates are a whole other thing, but I'm, I'm just talking about in general, even if we didn't have a presidential election for another four years. Yeah, it's still going to spread like a wildfire, and it really is because we're the heart of America. We've always have been, um, with good effort through a lot of other organizations getting hemp through and making Ohio a farming state again. Since I mean, we were like the hub for car manufacturing, but we, as Jim said, all that left. So, yeah. um, well, uh, I want to wrap up this this section of it. I have uh, a few questions for for Bryce um, coming up. Um, but if, if you guys want to give your social media at all, uh, where people can follow you, uh, that way they can, cause there is, you, I, I have realized through Facebook and things like that, there, there is a community out there that is wanting to come together and support this. And the thing about communities is that a lot of people who support this might feel like they're alone. They might work around people who they, they don't care about this at all. They might work in a job where they can't talk about this at all. And that that's that's where I want to uh, ask people to go look on Facebook groups. There's tons of Facebook groups. There's tons of people out there that want to connect with you. So um, you guys can give your social media. Well, again, my name is Michelle Fryman. You can find me on Facebook. I'm also the vice president of Ohio Patient Network. So find our page, like our page, and you'll see our post there. Jim Collins at Chum Dad One. Now you have a you have a business as well. Do you want to? Yes, I, I own Gem City Tattoo Club. Um, you're more than welcome to check me out. I'm that guy that 
I'm here because I like recreational, but I also am ab- advocating the research and patients getting the medicine that they need. And also, I want to see more tax dollars going back into this great state. I want to see us shine again, and I think this could really help us. Uh, this is Sam. You can find me on Facebook, Sam A. Funk. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter. Uh, I'm just me, J-E-S-M-E. And uh, you can always find me on the Green Fight Web Team Facebook page. Uh, Patrick Rogers. I'm Pat Green Fight on Twitter. Check out greenfightohio.com, and you can do get connected. Get to our mailing list. You can get a, all these announcements and meetings and information. Ask us questions. Get a hold of any of us. Uh, Green Fight Ohio for the Facebook and hit me up if you want to be an activist. Awesome. Uh, I'll pause it real quick. All right, guys. We are here with uh, the, the creator of Green Fight and one of, one of a former podcast guest for the Gym City Podcast. Fun fact, he was the, one of the first live guests that we had on a live Gym City Podcast at Sideshow 8, I believe. Was it Sideshow 8? Yeah, I, I don't remember the number of what it was, but it, it's been a while now. But yeah. that was a really fun, uh, that was a really fun uh, show. Yeah, so uh, I want to welcome uh, Michael Bryce Keller. If you guys are on Facebook and you're paying attention to this at all, Bryce's picture have, has been popping up, and you have played a huge role in getting information to people. So I want to thank you for that. And I, my friend, Drew Sample, who has a podcast called The Sample Hour, he is totally for free market. He's a libertarian. He doesn't believe that this is the right way to go. And I respect him enough to, that I, he, I asked him to provide me some questions to ask you. Um, so I want to ask you these questions. You answer them the best way that you can. And so I wanted to have kind of a devil's advocate side to, to this. Um, I personally support issue three. I'm going to vote yes uh, for listeners out there. Uh, so, but this is this is thank from you, my friend Drew. Yeah. Um, all right. The first question: What protocols does issue three require for police officers to regulate driving under the influence of cannabis? Uh, currently, it is a blood test that tests for cannabinoids. I know cannabinoids stay in your system for six months. With the current test, police could pull you over, pull over anyone who they think smokes weed, and charge them with a DUI. Okay, so this is uh, my understanding of this issue is that our currently screwed up rules will remain in effect. Okay, so this is a problem that uh, we are preparing to deal with. We are struggling to get the license issue. Uh, You can review the Wake and Bake show that I uh, had re-released from January of 2014 where we thought that we were going to get license suspension taken off within six months, okay, or within a couple months. The whole point is that they're uh, backing off on doing this stuff. And uh, so the Responsible Ohio uh, Marijuana Legalization Amendment does not, uh, does not handle or deal with the DUIs. It, it leaves it at the same uh, level. Hold on. I'll pause it. All right. Uh, we're back. Uh, Bryce went to go get pizza. Uh, Michelle? Uh, <laughs> well, I just to- wanted to add a little bit to that. And usually it doesn't stay in your body for six months, first of all. So I think that's a little bit of a propaganda scare. Generally, you're looking at, you know, 30 days 
for most people, and that's also if you were a daily right. smoker and then suddenly stopped. <laughs> if if you also, um, they are developing a test, and it's supposed to be similar to the breathalyzer for cannabis. It's actually going to be an oral swab, kind of like you see Maury in the DNA and the DNA shows. Um, that can be swabbed inside the mouth, and so you will know if it was recently inhaled, and it's supposed to be like a, a four- to six-hour window. Wow. And there's also other uh, – they're trying to get together some apps out there to actually measure impairment more accurately. So it's not just what do I have in my blood, it's how is it affecting my body because someone who's medicinally using it and has been using it for a long time can use that and drive perfectly fine. Um. All right, question two. What does Responsible Ohio do for people in jail currently serving a nonviolent cannabis-related crime? Okay, so at the ballot box, uh, if we ignore the uh, issue two and issue three dichotomy, um, in essence, we have the opportunity to make certain actions legal. Uh, the legalization of less than one ounce uh, possession, uh, limited cultivation, and limited possession of home grow. So if things become legal, the Fresh Start Act requires the legislature to review what is legal and uh, pass a law that orders courts to evaluate whether the behavior would now be legal and then give expungements. So in a kind of legal operation format, it is almost like delivering not guilty verdicts at the ballot box. But interestingly, Ian James has cited that the Fresh Start Act will just simply remain sitting there until legalization happens, whether it's medical or uh, a broader use or whatever. So the expungement component is a tool that is to the activist community's benefit, uh, you know, for the good of the order. Yeah, and uh, for people who don't know uh, who Ian James is, he is the uh, director for Responsible Ohio. He's the, uh, um, is that right? He's the owner of the Strategic Network, which has taken on Responsible Ohio's campaign. Okay. Um, all right, so number three, will issue three proactively expunge records like o- Oregon's bill did? I, I, I don't. I don't know exactly how Oregon's bill works and if it would uh, – my understanding would be no, that because I think that it – I think that the way to describe it is it is a two-part function. So the first part, uh, passing – legalizing marijuana, uh, whether it's issue three or any other way, is the first part, the precursor, right? And then it sets into motion uh, the, the signatures that we had already collected to require the legislature. But it's not automatic because if the legislature doesn't act, then we collect more signatures and put it on the next election for the people to tell the legislature, we told you once, we told you twice, and now we're going to vote on it. <laughs> now, um, why is the Fresh Start Act not included in the 6,500-word constitutional amendment? Well, there's a lot of it, – it was, it was a stretch that I thought that they got uh, – personal use and medical and the whole apparatus put on as a single issue, okay? And people want to include hemp in that, and that confuses it either, even more. So every little other piece that you put into this and every other legal theory and component um, is something that uh, stresses the single issue thing. And understand uh, that the hemp issue is something that uh, it's ready to pop. We 
if they would have legalized hemp, then everybody would see the benefits of that and the, having the uh, free and open market for the food source and the majority of the therapeutic properties of the hemp cannabis family, right? But they don't do that because then they don't have any argument against the legalization of cannabis, even in a, in a, regulated, in a tightly regulated manner for the commercial operations. I mean, this is an important dichotomy that they have uh, systematically spent their time, their 10 days, to hijack the issue three instead of spending any one of those 10 days to just rubber stamp the thing that already came from the federal government that says, yes, your people can have hemp. We get it. <laughs> um, so uh, why were the farmers left out of the deal is, is his fourth question. Well, and I think you, I think you pretty much answered, answered that with uh, adding anything else to, to the bill confuses everything. In the- right. And, and just think about this back in uh, back when they got started on the project it it didn't cross anybody's mind that we wouldn't have hemp nationwide within 90 days yeah right what who's missing out on entire seasons of uh, hemp cultivation it's just ridiculous yeah um, why no and <laughs> his fifth question why no industrial hemp provision and Man, yeah, I feel like we this. covered that. I one. think the only thing we didn't cover was that I believe Sir Alan Mooney told us that he was promised by members of the legislature they were going to pass something this summer, oh. and he came to find out that behind closed doors they basically said, "No, we're not going to do it because it's a dangerous step towards legalizing marijuana." Hmm. All right, uh, his sixth question: Why only ten grow sites? Okay, well, this is, this is something of incredible uh, controversy in the activist community. And, you know, it, I, in fact, I would say this is, this is the dividing line because I think if they would have had more, you would have had overwhelming support for this, in, in my opinion. I think a lot of the more conservative voters would probably not agree with that, but I think the cannabis community itself would have been behind this if it would have been a Colorado model. Okay, let, let, me, uh, let me throw out something to you in a kind of explaining it in a what the team has been working on kind of way, okay? So they came out with this original proposal that they're just going to get rid of all this stuff. They're going to figure out a way to uh, get uh, investors to fund the campaign that you would require and uh, figure out what kind of uh, uh, structured apparatus uh, would be the simplest way uh, to um, produce the product necessary for the consumer and uh, provide the most access uh, to research, testing, regulation, or whatever, to, to do it in the most, you know... It, it, it's a ridiculous, uh, almost ridiculously simple uh, kind of concept to just say if we use reasonability or responsibility or uh, just kind of this uh, due diligence. We, we take every single, like the seed-to-sale tracking and these high-tech facilities and uh, having um, these kind of things are um, 
when the legislature set it up in the various other states, they set it up that way. In 10 other states, there are 10 or fewer growers, and then you end up with CBD only or something like that, okay? So we realized, I mean, it's the activist community. I mean, I was one of them that realized back in the day um, when I started working on this project that we needed to work towards expanding opportunities, okay? And so, you know... Uh, when we started this discussion, everybody thought, well, this is in perpetuity, okay? And so now everybody realizes that at the bare minimum, it's four-year market advantage, that's it, right? And what other people don't realize is that these are one-year provisional licenses that are given to each of the ten. So if one of them's not compliant or two of them's not compliant, the commission could chop those licenses, issue it to a whole new thing. If the government was the one who uh, got one of those licenses with property that they already own, then who knows what the market would look like. I mean, if they want to expand the market and, uh, you know, really bolster or whatever it is they can do because of a commitment to um, moving uh, against the black market even quicker. I mean, they um, they have that power, okay? So it is, it is a situation where the government holds monopoly. The federal government has a patent on monopoly and says, you know, use the coal memo as a guide. Responsible Ohio made the tightest, you know, consistent thing to that... Um, you know, those objectives. And we talk about the, the uh, increased penalty provision for the uh, um, uh, child diversion issue, right? It doesn't say that it will be increased to a felony, right? It, ju it just says uh, that they have to make rules about that. It doesn't, make, it doesn't specify any particular change in the law. Everything remains the same that isn't specifically authorized for in, in a basic functional sense, okay? So you have these... You have these components that all make it so that what is, uh, when you take a historic and historic step to move from a criminalized supply market and a hybrid decriminalization hoax kind of thing because of the driver's license and the 300 other, uh, up to 300 other consequences, uh, you take it all the way to putting on medical and personal use market all at the same time, okay? Y you have to have uh, a balanced diplomatic approach. And um, we've seen a lot of pushback uh, about Colorado. And while uh, the truth is that um, the markets will look free like Colorado um, across, the, across the country um, when we get there, Okay, but um, there are some. They said, let's get started, and um, they anticipate that, um, you know, states like Ohio will make measured, middle of the road, responsible type approaches to that uh, diplomatic solution. So they started off with this proposal where we're just going to control the market like Washington no home grow, no nothing like that. And um, Normal sponsored that in Washington, right? And uh, so I was like, yeah, but we, we can do better. And I knew that uh, our friends at Normal were lobbying with them and arguing with them. And, um, you know, uh, Alan Mooney likes to cite that he was always for the home grow provision just because he wants everybody to be able to home grow all the time. But sure. Yeah. He, he thinks that everybody should be able to have as many plants as they want all the time. And, like, he, he's just like, 
Yeah, he's all about the home grow. But anyway, the point is that um, whatever it is, we ended up on a uh, solution that was, or a, a level that was uh, set, you know. And, you know, we go overboard in the first pass. Then next thing you know, they're, you know, we're Colorado, and that, that's the that's the narrative. So it they're, they're just picking something. Yeah. You know, you, you pick a flaw, and it's the flaw that they like to, to highlight. But um, so we got this market expansion by adding home grow. But back when we did the Dayton Marijuana Summit, we started to think about what it was that the people are doing. They are responsible. Ohio is delivering to the people the right to vote up or down on marijuana. Okay. And that right is the one that shall not be perverted. It is the criminality element, which is the most uh, profound one that there is uh, contained in the amendment, the one of the most severity. And so if all these things collide into a situation where um, we are uh, answering this question in the Supreme Court to say, uh, can you really separate? Can you attack the severability position? Can you just say, you know, you guys got a million signatures to put these two petitions together, and we all knew back in, uh, you know, the spring, that if you guys put this uh, companion set of things, it would go through swimmingly, and that would be the end of the story, okay? It is only through the confusion and the election kind of trickery or tomfoolery, the double question, that we even have this uh, complex situation that could land us in the Supreme Court. And it seems like the activities of the uh, legislature and others would lend to believe that they want that to happen for some reason. I don't know. They keep going on about the gummy bears, which may not actually even be approved by the amendment mm -hmm. because the commission has to approve uh, marijuana edibles packaging and shape and other things to ensure that it's not an attractive nuisance. So if our commission in o Ohio uh, does not approve the gummy bears or lollipops, we may have simple square-shaped gummies that come in brown... Uh, packaging with black letters that say marijuana edibles for adults only mm. you know and it, it it it's a crazy situation but we started right after the Dayton marijuana summit to say to responsible ohio let's work on expanding opportunities and uh they put that package together and um ici and uh, uh relationship with org and other things have made the market uh accessible uh to I mean, to a large uh, group of people, I mean, uh, tier one is there are so many people involved in some level with these uh, grow sites that the opportunities are, are, are plentiful, okay? And then all these manufacturing licenses and retail licenses and dispensary things are um, available to the public. And so you, we worry about... Um, are they going to take control? And is there going to be, you know, you start with 10 and then it's clear that one wins and then five years later you have a market leader or something like that. These are the fears that people have, right? But, I mean, realistically, they are all going to spend 
the the majority of the four years just figuring out how to grow marijuana and set up the whole thing. Okay, so that's saying let's let um, investment groups with money all have ten cracks at trying to put Heineken and uh, Coors Light and Bud Light and uh, Miller Light and all these places and uh, establish. um, Ohio as a as a producer of a quality tested product, right? The kind of product that has um, not without some harms, but that has accountability for that product, right? And and so I know that that was a long answer to your question. No, but it, it's it, great, dude. It's the it's it is the fundamental thing that we uh, fight against, and and. We decided instead of fighting them on the prohibitionist side that we would create a giant activist coalition where we've made notices that we have marijuanaclassaction.org. We have greenfightohio.com. We have marijuanadefensecouncil.com. And then Keller Law Office was announced at the uh, introduction of the Green Fight app from when it was uh, on I- uh, uh, approved by iTunes, we announced it at the Dayton Marijuana Summit that there is no marijuana criminals union. So we're going to figure out how to make the Green Fight app represent the criminals, the users, the patients, the civil disobedience, and represent our members in the Supreme Court. That we're going to take that action to defend our right to be heard on the fundamental issue, the quintessential, the the whatever it is, the 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 crux of the thing is. Uh, the part that can't be perverted, the yeah. criminality element, the not guilty verdicts that come by operation of law. Yeah, man. Powerful. I, I want, I'm sorry, Jim. You good, buddy. Jim here. I wanted to add a little something with the 10 growth sites. There is a reason why we get Colorado weed here in Ohio, why we get California weed here in Ohio, because there is too much to regulate. The 10 growth sites, the land rights that are owned by the investors and all that, there will be heavy regulation. I know that people are going to find a way around stuff to do things, but there is a reason why we see those packages stamped from those growers out there. Now I'm not saying they're sending it here, but I'm just saying people find a way around to get that stuff here and why not, you know, and then our money is going back to those States. But back to what I was saying is though, is the 10 grow sites or the 10 late, whatever has to do with regulation and keeping tabs on this stuff. Yeah, I, my my biggest thing is looking back when alcohol prohibition ended, and the the pipe dream of everyone is just open up the markets for everyone. That would be the 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 best solution. But that's not the reality that we're in because marijuana for years was. I mean, it's still a Schedule One s- substance, so you have to have some sort of regulation on it because of of that, and so. I, th- I think that until we get all this sorted out, that it, you're not going to get past that. You're not going to get past the fact that it, it has to be regulated. It's not tomatoes. People bring up the, well, if I can grow tomatoes, I should be, be able to grow this. It's not tomatoes, okay? Um, People aren't going to break into your house or yeah. <laughs> ransack your yard for Jump your tomatoes. There, 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 there's a reason why security firms the, ha- have boosted jobs so much in Colorado it's because they have to have people uh, watching these shops because it is something that can be targeted just like 
uh, shops that sell cigarettes. They get broken into, and cartons of cigarettes get stolen. Um, alcohol, alcohol gets stolen. So, um, all right. So, number seven, uh, and, and I think you, I think you answered this: is Does responsible Ohio think Ohioans cannot be trusted in a free market industry? I think you answered that. Well, I, I, yeah, I, I want to clarify that responsible Ohio. Um, everybody in the cannabis industry benefits from the increased opportunities. Okay. Uh, but to the extent that um, really the federal government is looking for tight regulation, I mean, that's, that's where we start, you know, and uh, you know, I, it's not a, it's not a trusted with the free market issue. I mean, the people have the power and we're, getting more marijuana rights yeah. right so it, it's a march towards a free market yeah i think it's a stick your toe in the pool <laughs> and, fe- and feel how it is but i think that after it gets le- you know legalized here hopefully that you know we stick our toe in the pool and then we're just going to jump in and do a cannonball i just think it's going to be awesome i think that once it happens, people will realize that all those stigmas, all that reefer madness that's been crammed down their throat for decades is basically a big lie. Yeah, and anybody that is in the Dayton area, go drive around and just just go look at how many craft brew places are making money right now. Those places were not open when alcohol prohibition ended. It took time for that stuff to get Decades. its place in the market. And now Dayton is one of the biggest places for that, and they're making tons of money. There's companies, Warped Wing is making tons of money. Toxic Brew is making tons of money. So the, it, it is a viable market. It can also be a market, as time goes on, that establishes in Ohio where you'll have stuff like that. And those people came to market after big alcohol was already in place. That's so they didn't they didn't prevent it from happening. It happened. Yeah, and... Uh, it, it was argued on um, a social media page that uh, Budweiser is not competing with Great Lakes Brew, let's say. And I, I, I would argue against that. I would say that's not true. That's not true at all. I, I think, in fact, they are uh, battling for that dollar. Um, I would like, I'm sorry to interrupt. No, go ahead. I, I would like to point out, too, if people are thinking that, well, that just shows that the smaller places that people, you know, they, they can open up and stuff and why not allow anybody grow it and sell it. Those microbreweries still costed a lot of money to open up and they went through a lot of regulations and a lot of pains. I know this because I watched toxic brew and, you know, I watched Shane go through a whole lot of stuff. It took him a year to get open, but he finally got open, and now he's doing well. Yeah. It took and a lot of money to do that. You know what would be really cool? If these 10 big investors help to get the banking situation figured out before the craft brewers come in and can get a bank loan to actually start the business. Mm, that's that would point. be awesome. There is, I believe, some type of legislation in Congress right now. I'm sorry, I don't know the name of it or the number. Um, number eight, what possession limits are placed on medical patients? Okay, so the uh, standard possession limit is one ounce that has been adopted by in public, which has been adopted by several other states that have legalized uh, marijuana. And uh, the 
Um, my assessment of the situation is that uh, there is obviously a need for medical patients to have some expanded, uh, in cases, have expanded uh, possession limits. And uh, those rules and those expansions, uh, we intend to lobby uh, the commission to promulgate such rules. It, the, the long and short answer is that the Marijuana Control Commission would likely have the authority to increase the medical marijuana patients uh, uh, consistent with doctor recommendations and other things. Awesome. Um, nine, if possession in public is limited uh, one ounce, how are patients with severe conditions and greater needs legally pre- protected? Yeah, so um, at the uh, inception, the standard uh, one ounce rule will apply. But uh, what you will realize is that in the marijuana legalization amendment, there are steps. The first step is the appointment of the board, and the board will issue those provisional licenses and then begin uh, figuring out what the rules and structures will be uh, before those uh, uh, medical marijuana dispensaries would open. So, um, what I would suggest that people do is they uh, vote no on two, yes on three, and then uh, advocate every day on Green Fight to tell the Marijuana Control Committee how we believe that they should uh, act responsibly in expanding uh, those protections at every corner. Awesome. Um, Number 10, how did Responsible Ohio come up with their projection on tax revenues? Okay, so I'll just tell you what uh, I know as the general facts. The general facts is that we are uh, hoping strategically for uh, $554 million tax revenue uh, annually at market stabilization, which would be four years. And then uh, that would be disseminated at 85% to the uh, local governments in two separate uh, uh, funds, and then 15% to the Marijuana Control Commission. None goes back to uh, the general state fund. And you can find this information on the, this comes from the uh, Marijuana Policies of Ohio Task Force, and you can find them at M. P-O-T-F dot org, and you can print off the summary or the full report uh, to find these uh, in- this information about economic impacts and other things. Awesome. Um, number 11, and, and there's 14 questions, guys, if, if you guys are out there listening. Number 11, does Responsible Ohio or my physician define debil- debilitating conditions for medical marijuana use? Okay, so my understanding is that it would, it's kind of a hybrid, okay? So there are enumerated conditions listed in the marijuana legalization amendment. So it's like cancer and uh, um, AIDS and other things and, and whatnot. Um, PTSD is, is, list, or is uh, included as uh, one of those qualifying conditions. Um, that's the... Um, so if you have the qualifying condition... Uh, there's that um, component, but then there's also like a catch-all phrase that uh, any other condition uh, where it uh, meets certain requirements and uh, has a, and it's a doctor, a bona fide doctor-patient require, uh, relationship uh, establishes that need. So it uh, starts with the things that we know that uh, there's uh, some benefit for, and then it leaves the room open for doctors to uh, submit recommendations for other uh, ailments and conditions. So it's kind of a, a hybrid model. And, uh, you know, I think it makes sense. Yeah. Um, number 12, what are the penalties for home growers who grow over four flowering plants? And can you just touch on the topic of what are the requirements of those home growers as far as uh, can you just set up in your ba- backyard? 
Um, can you, can you touch on that a little bit? Okay, so here's here's the deal. It's a fifty dollar home grow license fee. You can have uh, unlimited or unspecified amount of vegetative plants. We in, uh, anticipate that that would be a fairly robust uh, amount of plants, uh, uh, vegetative plants, and then you would have up to four flowering plants, and then uh, up to eight ounces of usable marijuana, and uh, um, you would have to keep. Uh, you have to keep it in a secured location, uh, away from children and out of public view. And our understanding is that it would be a per-person license and not per household. So if there are actually uh, two people living in a house, a husband and wife, they could both have licenses. Um, and uh, so the the penalty over the the four plants. So um, as I touched on before, how nothing is required to be a felony or made to be a felony or or whatever in the way that uh, some uh, opponents would have you believe. Um, the uh, the truth of of the matter is that. Uh, the marijuana legalization amendment grants you authority to do things and uh, to the extent that you are not within the allowed things then it's just still the other rules would apply okay so if you had uh, an ounce and or if you had two ounces of marijuana then the contraband would be uh, tested against the uh, possession limits that already existed how that would be qualified, whether it would include the initial ounce or not, would be uh, um, is something that will the courts will uh, analyze and stuff, and, uh, and might be able to research uh, uh, to determine a, a good faith belief of what that would be. But the, the point is that if you had over an ounce and you're driving around, the penalty that would still be on the books for that overage from a technical standpoint, would be the minor misdemeanor on the books, right? And so if you grew over four plants and uh, the police charged you with just the additional one plant that you grew, then it could be a minor misdemeanor cultivation under 100 grams or whatever it is, the, the, which is not actually that practical because, like, if you cultivate one plant, you're, you're pretty much out of the realm of the of the minor misdemeanor level uh, is, is what I remember. So anyway, uh, the point is that uh, oftentimes opponents talk about strict penalties and like if I have a fifth plant, the next thing you know, I'm going to be swatted like I'm a, uh, you know, I don't know, super villain or something, right? And, and, and that just doesn't seem... Uh, doesn't seem logical okay i think that there will be uh graduated uh penalties that are associated with the the violations they would start with the where we are at the status quo and we would hope that the legislature would change the entire marijuana code to civil penalties i mean that i mean that would be the goal right wouldn't it take away any probable cause for them how are they going to investigate because the smell is no longer problem. I'm I'm not a lawyer, but I would think that the smell is no longer probable cause, and that is what they use most often to get people. You know, I'm not advocating go crazy and stuff. I'm just saying <laughs> that if they don't have a reason to search, then how are they going to search you? Yeah, right. Um, Thirteen. What are the requirements to obtain a home grow license? Okay, so that um, here's the deal: the Marijuana Control Commission uh, needs to make those available. They will have, you know, 
um, reasonable requirements. There are provisions uh, in the marijuana legalization uh, amendment that prohibit the Marijuana Control Commission from making any rule that makes the operation of the marijuana legalization amendment and its functions uh, impractical. Okay, so the governor and the Marijuana Control Commission got to find a way to make it uh, available to you. Okay, that's their constitutionally mandated. Hey, fifty dollars is what the people are willing to pay. You can do it up to fifty dollars. The governor, the Marijuana Control Commission. The, the governor could tell his appointees or whatever, he'd say, look, guys, you don't have to charge them anything. You know? They, I mean, you, I mean, it makes sense that there's some small fee associated with it, right? Sure, a, sure. A token fee. You've got to give them but, money. Yeah. I mean, somebody's got to, you know, send you back the membership card. You've got to pay for the laminator and all that stuff. But the whole point is that, uh, you know, uh, it could be as easy as they just tell you, you, you sign up, we send you back a, a little thing that says, you know, here's your sheet of paper, keep it with your grow. Yeah, what, what are the uh, – people, people can brew in their homes currently, right? You can brew in your homes. I mean, you don't have to have a license for that, right? You don't have to have a license to brew your own beer. Uh, right. What, what I'm saying is you could – we'll probably get to a point where, yeah. like – it, it's treated like alcohol is treated right now. Right. So we got to have a starting point. Right? Got to have a starting exactly. point. So, um, you know, let's start off with, a, you know, what amounts to like a hobby license. Sure. Okay. Uh, it's not like you can, you know, interestingly enough, I mean, it's not like you can go get a giant RC plane and just drive it o- or fly it over your neighbor's house. Right. I mean, people are like, I should be able to have my, uh, you know, what are they called? The... The things the drones? the drones, yeah, yeah, they're like I just you know free airspace and stuff. No, there's people flying planes and doing things, and people don't want things falling on their head. You know, there are reasonable uh, steps that we take, right? So, are we gonna do we um, expand to allow for that activity? I mean, we we put frisbee golf in like every park, right? I mean, we're working towards utilizing our resources to solve problems as a state, right? So we. You know, for the uh, conservative, you know, older person, you know, they're they're like, but those people, they can all grow marijuana and stuff. But at least, you know, you got to get a, a thing and, you know, get a list of rules mailed to you. And, let's let's uh, turn us from criminals into civilians and then the people won't look so bad if we can get things passed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a process, right? And it, it's, it's nuanced yeah. because I get where we need to get to yeah. and why people are mad that we aren't there. Yeah. Okay? But I'm mad that we aren't farther than where we are. I just have to be diplomatic. Yeah. Right? And, and so, you know, I, you know, everyone, I wish I had, a, I wish I had solved every one of these problems uh, for you when it was time for election day to happen. But the truth is that um, it's, it's all of us working to do the best that we can to deliver what we can this time, right? Yeah. And now the last question, uh, when, when will I be able to obtain a home grow license? Okay, so there's nothing that prohibits the uh, uh, Marijuana Control Commission from making that priority number one. Um, a lot of op- opponents think that the governor is going to um, drag his feet on that, but let's let's just talk about this practically. 
You vote no on two, you vote yes on three, you give the marijuana legalization amendment the most force that we can have going into the Supreme Court or going into implementation, and then we spend the next 12 months while Governor Kasich is on the presidential debate trail to make that the number one issue of when are you going to get these people online? Every other state's dragged its feet, but Ohio needs to get its people the baseline access to whole cannabis uh, medication as soon as possible. And, you know, it'd take till September to get the uh, retail stores uh, done. That would be the fastest you could do to go through the local election option. You may have, um, you could possibly have a dispensary ready to be open but would the product be available so that you know before that so um like there i mean there's there's really no reason other than they don't like marijuana really sure right so it's about how we can convince the uh you know the governor and the political establishment to say you know, let's do this, right? Yeah. I mean, we're not saying that the people are, you know, taking over, right? It's not. It's not some sort of like. Um, it is our state. Yeah, it's not. It's not some sort of craziness. It's the people are saying, um, you know, we all stand up and say you have to solve these problems in due diligence. Yeah. You've made promises about uh, medical marijuana. The attorney general has said on a Periscope uh, recording that we got a couple weeks ago where Rob Ryan from Ohio Patients Network went against the Attorney General. It was five to one at this forum put on on Kettering Health Network. Interestingly, we talked about how they had uh, let me stay for five days. Um, but the, uh, the point is that they have all said, they've all acknowledged the inevitability of medical marijuana. We realize that these patients should not be denied the medical marijuana defense in court. They are stigmatized, scared. These parents are moving to other states. Uh, you have people who are illegally healed or um, decide to use the more dangerous medications and end up dying or whatever. You have people that are literally starving um, to death because they are scared to use marijuana, uh, but it could solve their or uh, relieve their nausea con, uh, consistent with their debilitating conditions. And uh, so uh, these things are profound uh, legal um, acknowledgments that these politicians have made. And so they're going to start being accountable for it on November 4th. Uh, regardless of the outcome of the election. And we're going to uh, ensure that that happens because, as I said, no matter how legalization comes about, uh, a fresh start act is on the books. Yeah. Well, um, we, we're, we recorded an hour and uh, almost 15 minutes. I think that anybody who, if you've listened at this point, and if you've not made your decision, if, this, if you're listening to this Monday when it comes out and you have not made your decision and this swayed you one way or the other, please uh, let us know. Let, let Bryce know on Green Fight. Um, th- there is a community in the Dayton area through Green Fight, through all these other places, that you are not alone in your support of this. You might work around people who don't support it. You might live around people who don't support it. But there are people who support this. And uh, you're not a weird person for supporting this. Uh, a lot of people are in the shadows. A lot of people can't talk about it. They're in the closet about their uh, support of this. And we need to get to a point where people are treated not like criminals. Right. 
You know, right. th- th- science proves this is a safer alternative to alcohol. And if I can go to any restaurant and buy and drink alcohol, order alcohol around children, there's no reason why we can't have this as a legal option for people who don't. Maybe they don't recreationally want to use alcohol. Maybe they want to use cannabis. Yeah. You know, so I salute everything you guys are doing. Um, as I said earlier in the podcast, it was it was the podcast that I did with you in June um, that really changed my opinion. And, and I really thought it over, and I, I just see it as the best option. Like, it's the, it's the starting point. You start here, and then you open up everything as time goes on because this sends a message to the country that cannot be ignored um so you know thank you so much for uh hosting the green fight meetings i think if we had more people like you who were willing to step up and and be vocal be out there to actually go to these debates like you went to a debate the other day with with the sheriff's uh office right yeah, so in this uh, debate circuit, we've actually had our – it's not – we have a green fight team, which has an advisory board that we're uh, increasing it to 25. There's many op- open positions um, that are still available, and we will be um, recruiting from – we have, seven, I believe, seven normal seats that are still uh, open, and we have the founder of uh, Ohio Normal, Sharon Nefer is uh, on the advisory board, but we're going to give those other six positions to um, normal members throughout the state to coordinate efforts moving forward. We're going to really build this up. And uh, I'm sorry, where are we going? No, we're wrapping it up. Yeah, um, so we're we, the whole point is that we're on the 10-year plan, Yeah. right? And, you know, I guess I wanted to answer your question, but I was thinking when you were saying that we were wrapping up, what is the most important thing that I want to leave people with? Is it, you know, I voted no on two, yes on three, because I believe that it gives the most, the strongest position for the activist community to demand legalization in the fastest order, right? But that doesn't mean that I don't march towards the same end result of what everybody else has. We made a discern, uh, a, a defined and uh, you know uh, calculated decision that the marijuana legalization amendment was a first piece of the puzzle that got us set up to make the ten-year legalization happen to really knock over that first domino in Ohio to make that cascade, right? And win, lose, or draw, we were going to make that cannonball-type splash, you know, in in the uh, industry to say it's our people. And so you were asking about the debate thing, okay? So I went against the sheriffs, but I've also uh, went uh, against the uh, Mike Curtin in the Unitarian Universalist Church where he told me that the most affirmative votes in his assessment is the one that wins, which is interesting because that's different than what Houston says. And uh, um, then uh, Rob Ryan of the Ohio Patients Network, who's also an advisory board member, went against the attorney general. And that was an interesting day because our team was 
it was five to one on the stage, but as a favor to us, um, we had talked about getting the people in the the stage or in the uh, audience microphones, you know, and our people were there to support uh, Rob Ryan and, and stand up for the community, you know, and uh, that was a big thing. And we got uh, some people, and I think you saw that, did you? Yeah, but it was um, yeah, modern technology is a great thing when you have something like Periscope that you can stream at one of those places and you know i work third shift so oftentimes for a lot of these uh for a lot of these debates and stuff some people can't go to so having uh, i think it was michelle that was recording it right no, it, was sam. it was sam who was reco- recording me on twitter and periscope j-e-s-m-e you can still go watch that debate if you want yeah it was uh it was a pretty powerful thing sitting there watching um Rob up there with Mike DeWine and, and all these other people. And then to see the different opinions in, in the audience and to see the Legalize Ohio 2016 was there, uh, people from Green Fight was there. So you had a bunch of different opinions asking questions. I just yeah. wish, yeah, like, I, I wish that there were more people on that stage who could also um, uh, be alongside Rob to give more information. I wish that I could have been out there to accompany him because some of the things that the professor at the pharmacy school said were blatantly wrong. Yeah. And of course, Rob doesn't really have the credentials. He may know some of those things are wrong, but he doesn't have the credentials like I do to attack right back and be like, no. And same with the, the nursing faculty member. She was more reasonable than the pharmacy guy, but it's like, it, I don't know. I'm not. If my daughter does want to become a pharmacist, like she says she does now, she's six, so who knows? Um, she's definitely not going to Finley. That's all I can say. <laughs> well, um, go ahead and give websites uh, where everybody can find uh, any information that they need. Uh, and before you do, I want to let people know if you guys want to know anything about the ballots, there's a great website called ballotpedia.org um, that has. All the initiatives on there, it, it explains everything. Uh, please go check it out. Um, it's the Encyclopedia of American Politics. Uh, it is a valuable resource if you want to get away from all the propaganda and all the misinformation that's out there and go straight to the source to see what these ballots uh, contain. Yeah, okay, so the, uh, um, the next steps are we are going to analyze on election day what's going to happen so if this comes out on monday be ready for tuesday night uh, get connected to green fight and uh, we'll have our election night party here at, at green fight headquarters and we are going to figure out the plan okay we're recruiting 100 percent. everybody's welcome uh we had previously volunteered with uh um Legalize uh, 2016 to help them collect signatures. I, you know, we we signed their. I've signed their petition. I signed uh, RG, I and uh, you know, our team supports all all the petitions. So, um, you know, we do what we do this weekend, and uh, you know, then on uh, Tuesday night, let's coalesce and let's say, you know, we're going to take this Supreme Court. Supreme Court. We're going to make a statement. We're going to uh, defend uh, the activist community. Go get involved. Uh, we have marijuanadefensecouncil.com and uh, then greenfightohio.com, marijuanaclassaction.org. 
greenfightvets.org, and then you can connect at uh, normal.org, mpp.org, and then uh, it's important uh, to note uh, that I am also a foundation member of the National Libertarian Party, a member of the Libertarian Party of Ohio, and uh, you can get them at lp.org and lpo.org. And um, so, and, and then uh, uh, Leap, is it uh, Leap? It's L-E-A-P dot C-C, and that's Law Enforcement Against Prohibition. I'm a, uh, a member there as well. And, uh, you know, you get involved in all these groups. There's, you know, Drug Policy Alliance and other things, and so, you know, you can, you can start your own even. Right, there you and go. Uh, we're we're just getting connected. That's yeah. what we're doing. And uh, we got a. I talked. The reason why we uh, um, there was a little hold up because I was on the phone with Wild Bill. Uh, some of them, you, you know him from uh, Canamaps. He's just a, a friend on the outside that uh, you can find Green Fight on the headquarters on the Swarm app, uh, but you can also find uh, Green Fight's headquarters, Keller Law Office, and the uh, Green Fight. Uh, web studio in Columbus, all on Canamaps. And, you know, now the sheriff's department's got a stash jar and we're on Canamaps. I think everybody knows what we're doing over here and saying, you know, we're, you know, participating in civil disobedience. We're standing up for our rights and, you know, it's a symbol, it's an idea. I watched uh, V for Vendetta this week just to try to get a vibe for back what it was that when we, you know, thought about. Um, standing up for our community and we we look up to these people that you know they go out in the street and you know maybe they get ornery every now and again but it takes a lot of courage to uh, stand up there and 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 be a voice for exposing truth and uh, the harsh realities that we need to uh, change and reform so uh, it's a project that we're working on and uh, um, we worked on a, a green fight treaty all groups, let's go against House Joint Resolution 4. We started that way back when, and wouldn't you know it, um, people have realized the dangers and stuff um, to the citizen-initiated uh, petition process in Issue 2. And so I think that to the extent that uh, we have always been committed to that, I want, I want people to know that uh, our Green Fight members have always been part of the community, and and we want to be. We want everybody to come back together. We want to stop the fighting. Awesome, man! Uh, please go to follow, go to gymcitypodcast.com. All the notes in this podcast will be there. If uh, please go rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes and Stitcher. Um, please go follow us on social media at on Facebook. Give us a like. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and go subscribe to us on YouTube. However you feel about this situation, this is an important and an important step towards the freedom of your fellow Ohioans and fellow uh, Americans. This will send a domino to end cannabis prohibition around the world, hopefully. So I want to thank you guys for listening. Um, I'm, I'm Izzy Rock, and... Uh, I've been at this Green Fight meeting uh, hosted by Bryce Keller, and I want to thank him for hosting uh, the Gym City podcast. Thank you for everything. Please go rate, review, and subscribe. See ya. This is Sam Funk, and I am for issue three, yes on three, no on two. I want it legal for medicinal uses and for adult personal use um, in the war. I'm Jim. I want cannabis re-legalized to 
sick people can get medicine. I also want it legalized so I don't have to worry about being railroaded and looked down upon or as a criminal. I'm just a citizen. I pay my taxes. I am a good father. I have great kids, and I love my wife. While, oh, this is Michelle Freiman, um, and while I have been campaigning for this, it has become more and more evident to me that we need this here. I have met more and more patients that, you know, it's, it's getting to the point where it's difficult now for me to hear them tell their stories because I know the person behind it and the emotional behind it and the frustration and the care and the love that is behind all this for the patients. And that's what we need here in Ohio. And we need the International Cannabinoid Institute here. Yeah, my name's David. Uh, I support cannabis legalization in issue three because, well, it's the right thing to do. Um, it, it gets back to freedom and to liberty. And as long as we're talking about responsible adults and medical patients, uh, there's no compelling in government interest in, you know, making that illegal or, or trying to step in there and stopping responsible adults or patients and their doctors from partaking in such activities. It's just, it's wrong on a whole lot of levels. So that's why I support uh, legalization. My name is Michael. Um, I support cannabis legalization and issue three because I just think it's the right thing to do. Um, I don't feel people should be criminals for doing something behind closed doors that, that doesn't hurt anybody. Um, there are other vices out there in this world that are legal, um, that are far, far da more dangerous than cannabis. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much why I support it. Uh, my name is Jordan Sutton, and I support Issue 3 because I believe it is a good source of medication for folks that cannot take uh, pills cannot take oral uh, medication, you know what I mean, like as in taking uh, Robitussin and cough syrups and cures for throat, uh, throat problems or taking pills because they, uh, they can't swallow them, you know what I mean, so cannabis would be a better source because then they would be able to consume it through food or they consume it through uh, smoking it or they can consume it through uh, taking uh Yes, sir, and that's why I believe that cannabis should be uh, legalized in Ohio. Uh, my name's Ashley. I support the legalization of marijuana because 22 veterans die every day, and it can reduce the PTSD symptoms by up to 75% for those folks, and it also um, lowers opiate deaths by about 25%. Leading medical researchers are coming to the conclusion that marijuana, pot, grass, whatever you want to call it, is probably the most dangerous drug in the United States, and we haven't begun to find out all of the ill effects, but they are permanent ill effects. I'd separate out the issue of the criminalization of marijuana from encouraging its use. I think there is no doubt that our criminal justice system generally is so heavily skewed towards cracking down on nonviolent drug offenders mm -hmm. that it has not just had a, a terrible effect on uh, many communities, particularly communities of color, rendering a lot of folks unemployable because they got felony records, disproportionate prison sentences. It costs a huge amount of money 
to states, and a lot of states are starting to figure that out. But what I'm encouraged by is you're starting to see not just liberal Democrats, but also some con very conservative Republicans recognize this doesn't make sense, including sort of the libertarian wing of the Republican and they Party. they see the money. Um, and they see the money and, and how costly it is to incarcerate. So we may actually be able to make some progress on the decriminalization side. At a certain point, if enough states uh, end up um, decriminalizing, uh, then Congress may then you know, reschedule uh, marijuana. Mm. Um, but I always say to folks, you know, uh, legalization or decriminalization is not a panacea. Do you feel the same way about meth? Mm -hmm. Do we feel the same way about coke? Uh, how about crack? How about heroin? And, and there is a legitimate, I think, concern about the overall effects this has on society and, and particularly vulnerable parts of our society. Substance abuse generally, legal and illegal substances, uh, is a problem. Locking somebody up for 20 years is probably not the best strategy, uh, and that's something that we have to re uh, rethink uh, as a society as a whole. Gentleman from Colorado is recognized for three minutes. Uh, Mr. Speaker, this uh, resolution is seemingly innocuous for who in this body would be against uh, illicit agriculture uh, on our federal lands, and yet it gives you reason to wonder why we're not facing a crisis of illicit corn production, illicit potato production, illicit tobacco production on our federal lands of the magnitude of uh, the crisis in marijuana production involved with criminal enterprises on our federal lands. Uh, and this resolution only serves to perpetuate this failed policy of prohibition, uh, which has led to the rise of the criminal production of marijuana on federal lands. The gentleman from California said that the federal government must do more to confront this threat. I would submit that the federal government can do more by doing less. My home state of Colorado, the gentleman's home state of California, many other states have legalized and allowed for the medical use of marijuana, the production of marijuana in a regulated capacity. The American public is split and a number of states continue to consider legalization for other uses as well. But as long as it remains illegal, and as long as there is a market demand, the production will be driven underground. No matter how much we throw at enforcement, it will continue to be a threat not only to our federal lands, but to our border security and to our safety within our country. The resolution states that whereas Mexican drug traffickers use the revenue generated for marijuana production on federal lands to support criminal activities, including human trafficking and illicit weapons smuggling, and to foster political unrest in Mexico. It's estimated that about half of the money that the Mexican cartels attain is through the marijuana trade. Yes, by eliminating the failed policy of prohibition with regard to marijuana and replacing it with regulation, we can cut the money to the criminal gangs by half. Half the human trafficking, half the illicit, uh, uh, illicit weapon trafficking, half the casualties of the drug war by focusing on the hard narcotic substances that are addictive and enslaved a generation of youth. I have no doubt that marijuana plantations, as the resolution states, pose a threat to the environmental health of federal lands, that drug traffickers spray unregulated chemicals, pesticides, and fertilizers. But I submit that the best way to address that is to incorporate this into a meaningful and enforceable agricultural policy for the country 
with regard to the regulatory structure for the production of marijuana. I yield back the balance of my time. Mr. Botticelli, your hands are tied on, on Schedule 1, but it is ludicrous, absurd, crazy to have marijuana in the same level as heroin. Ask the late Philip Seymour Hoffman if you could. Nobody dies from marijuana. People die from heroin. And every second that we spend in this country trying to enforce marijuana laws is a second that we're not enforcing heroin laws. And heroin and meth are the two drugs that are ravaging our country. And every death, including Mr. Hoffman's, is partly the responsibility of the federal government's drug priorities for not putting total emphasis on the drugs that kill, that cause people to be addicted and have to steal to support their habit. And heroin and meth is where all of your priorities should be. And it's not just Mr. Hoffman, a brilliant actor at 46 years of age, who first went to prescription drugs and then came back to heroin. That's our two major issues, I guess. I had a young, young friend, son of a girl I dated, who died of a heroin overdose about two years ago. I went to a party in Memphis recently, not Vermont, where the governor spent his entire state of the state hour address talking about the ravages of heroin in his state, but Memphis, Tennessee, where four women, give or take my age, well, maybe 15 years younger, sometimes I lose perspective, talked about heroin being a great problem among their children and in the Memphis community, and about another young man who had died of heroin. Heroin is getting into the arms of young people. And when we put marijuana on the same level as heroin and LSD and meth and crack and cocaine, we are telling young people not to listen to the adults about the ravages and the problems, and they don't listen because they know you're wrong. Because as Mr. Micah said, we know a lot of young people smoke marijuana. They shouldn't. Young people should be being young people. The most precious commodity in the world is time. Young people have got lots of time. Mr. Mike and I don't have that much more time. That's just the realities. And when you're young, enjoy being young, playing ball, taking it easy, just doing kids' things and learning. And you shouldn't be doing drugs, but they are. And we need to be sure that we keep them alive. We need to educate them. But our efforts ought to be toward meth and heroin. That's where efforts should be. And it shouldn't be Schedule 1. Anybody that goes to jail for marijuana is a crime when people for possession are taking their liberties away. It's a waste of money. It's a waste of resources. It's a crime committed by our government. There is a cultural lag in this country, and this Congress is a leader in it. With all due respect, you should be listening to scientists. I understand the parents who are grieved because their di child died of an overdose. They didn't overdose on marijuana. And you're listening to them rather than the scientists? Mr. Botticelli, it may go back to A Few Good Men, the movie, Jack Nicholson. You can't handle the truth. The truth is the drug war failed. Your direction on marijuana is a failure. Get to dealing and saving kids from heroin overdoses. My young 22-year-old friend died of a heroin overdose. Yeah, he smoked marijuana, probably the first thing he did. 
but that's not why he smoked heroin or shot it up. Maybe he did it because he heard people like you saying they're all bad and they're all terrible and you can't deal with the truth and tell them, well, maybe marijuana doesn't kill you. Heroin does and meth does. They're different. And until you deal with the truth, the kids aren't going to believe you at all. Now, you talked about alcohol, and I may, you may have gotten to this. Cirrhosis of the liver, pretty serious thing. Violence against spouses and women. People don't smoke marijuana and beat up their wives and girlfriends. They get drunk, sometimes they beat up their wives and girlfriends. And I know you've got your statistics. I would debate your statistics. And if you get into your statistics about the amount of people who had marijuana in their system who were arrested had fatal accidents, I would submit they probably had other drugs in their system, like cocaine or crack in addition to the marijuana, or they had alcohol and marijuana wasn't the cause. Because what I understand is people smoke marijuana, mostly they drive slower and they look out for the cops. They're not, they don't drive fast and wild like people do on alcohol and cause deaths. Maybe the reason there's so many more people smoking marijuana now is because they're not listening. And maybe they're doing the other drugs too. But it also shows that the drug war has been a failure. It's been a serious failure. Um, Harry Anslinger started. You know who Harry Anslinger is, don't you? I do not, unfortunately. You never? Well, you should, because he's your great-grandfather. He started this war in the 30s, and he was tuned out too. And he did it to get the American public had problems which sometimes I think we still got them, with Hispanics and Mexicans coming into this country. And it was a war on Hispanics and African Americans. And that's when they made marijuana illegal was in the 30s. And it was all directed at those people. And Latinos are just as much discriminated against as African Americans in disparate arrests. It still continues to this day. It's 85 years since Anslinger started this. And it's a, the fact that we spent so much time arresting people is sinful. Um, you, you talked about the overall effects of marijuana. Again, you can't name one person who's died from an overdose of marijuana, can you? Not to my knowledge. Sir. Right. And you say the cumulative effects. Do you know people, possibly, or heard of people who smoke marijuana, who are corporate giants, run banks, run major corporations? Do you know about these people? Yes, sir, but I also know equal number of people. I know a substantial number of people who also have gone on to develop significant disorders um, who have smoked marijuana. Again, one in nine people who try marijuana um, develop a dependency, and we know that particularly those kids who use it earlier in their... Kids shouldn't use it. Kids shouldn't use it ever. And at age 18, people shouldn't be arrested for it. Mm -hmm. Maybe it should be 21. But kids shouldn't use it. That's something we all agree on. But the fact is, we need to put our priorities toward heroin and meth. What percentage of your budget goes towards heroin addiction? So, so I don't think we necessarily slice our budget, our demand reduction budget, based on drugs. Again, our, our prevention efforts are focused on preventing drug use. Uh, Isn't that a mistake when people die from heroin in great numbers that the Vermont governor spends his entire state of the state on, on heroin use? That, and, and, and we don't distinguish and try to save people's lives? That's when you knock people over at the corner store. It's not to get money to buy a donut because you're high. It's to buy heroin because you're hooked. Mm -hmm. That I, causes people to die. 
what percentage of your budget goes towards heroin addiction? So, so I don't think we necessarily slice our budget, our demand reduction budget, based on drugs. Again, our, our prevention efforts are focused on preventing drug use. Uh, Isn't that a mistake when people die from heroin in great numbers that the Vermont governor spends his entire state of the state on, on heroin use? That, and, and, and we don't distinguish and try to save people's lives? That's when you knock people over at the corner store. It's not to get money to buy a donut because you're high. It's to buy heroin because you're hooked. That causes people to die. Our office in 2011, I think, acknowledged the burgeoning prescription drug and opiate epidemic that we have in the United States. In 2011, we released a plan that looks at dealing with the prescription drug abuse and opiate issues. Let me ask you, my time's about to run out, and it may have. Let me ask you one thing. I corresponded back in 2011 with uh, your, I guess, your predecessor, Kierlikowski. Kierlikowski. He's actually the current director now. Is he? He said back then that, uh, that there was no particular, they haven't found any medical use. To date, however, the FDA and the Institute of Medicine have not found smoked marijuana to be a safe or effective medicine for any condition, nor has any medical association came out in favor of smoked marijuana for widespread medical use. I think that medical associations have, but are you not aware of the fact that people who use smoked marijuana to get them through cancer treatment, nausea, I do, sir, and it's never been our office's position to either uh, to arrest uh, people who've been using medical marijuana. I think it's important for us, and again, unfortunately, that the FDA is not here. You know that it's the FDA process that ultimately determines the scientific efficacy of a. But of couldn't a drug. you try to influence it? Shouldn't that be part of your job? I had a buddy who was a SEAL. He died of, of pancreatic cancer. So when he was in, the, he, he smoked marijuana at the end. His, only, his mother said, it's the only thing that makes Oral smile or eat. So that was pretty good. So, so our role in this is to rely on the FDA scientific process to determine. That's our influencing role, is to rely on the science. I, you know, I would also say, and I find it unfortunate, and I think I would ask the chairman to invite Dr. Nora Volkow, who's the director of the National Institute on Drug Abuse, because that's where our policy and our science is derived from. We are a science-based office and a policy-based office. And I think if you listen to Dr. Volkow, who is not involved in a political discussion around uh, 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 um, substance use and marijuana, she will lay out for you the scientific evidence that. Well, let me ask you this. Hope. You are prohibited by law from using any funds to study marijuana legalization for medicinal purposes or any other reason. You're the only office of fed in the federal government that's restricted in that way, and you're required to oppose any scheduling of, of, of Schedule I substances, rescheduling like marijuana, for that have been approved for medical purposes. Aren't you troubled by these constraints, and don't you think that your expertise should be allowed to be used and study science and contribute to a positive uh, classification of drugs? So, so I'm not familiar. Congress put that... Uh, um, language in our reauthorization, and I, I'm actually not, um, uh, uh, I don't know the background of that. Would you support but, legislation to allow you to participate and to voice your opinion and but, to use science as a basis for your determination? Well, I, I, w what I would do is support that federal agencies have the ability to do that. So, through Yours is prohibited by law. Should that restriction not be lifted? I, 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 again, I think we'd have to have subsequent conversation in terms of... You mean of you really think you should be muzzled? I, I think that it's important that, that our office not um, 
involve itself in terms of given legislation or given activities. And I believe that that was the genesis for that language, that uh, the office not involve itself in, in state But the totality of the drug process. world, you need to participate. I, and if you realize that medical marijuana, as 20 states have found, can help people with, with cancer, with nausea, with those maybe glaucoma, I mean, Montel Williams apparently has some, some benefits from it. Lots of people do. That you should be able to participate and set our drug policy straight. Mm -hmm. Your job should be to have a sane drug policy, not to be muzzled and handcuffed. Yeah. For, from, again, my standpoint, and I'm happy to engage in fuller conversation, is that that has not handcuffed other offices and other federal agencies who are tasked with that work from investing. In 1971, Congress created a commission that was headed by Governor Schaefer of Pennsylvania to study federal marijuana policy. That commission came out in favor of decriminalization, but it wasn't put in place. That was 1971. Would you support a new commission to study federal marijuana policy? So I, I haven't seen that legislation. I'd be happy to have further conversations. Would you, it's a concept. Um, uh, again, I think we'd be happy to have a conversation in terms of what that might look like. Thank you, sir. And I yield back the balance of <clears throat> Well, uh, thank you. And let me yield now to Mr. Blumenauer. Thank you again, Mr. Chairman. I, I really appreciate this. And I've found the conversation here to be, to be very useful. And I think you're highlighting the wide range of issues that are on people's minds. I, I hope there's an opportunity to continue it. Um, Mr. Botticelli, how many marijuana overdose deaths were there in the most recent year you have available? Uh, to my knowledge, I don't know if there have been instances of specific overdose-related well, no, deaths. You talked about marijuana deaths, and I, I, so I, wanna, I want to be clear. I'm trying to trap you. No, no. How many marijuana deaths have there been in the last five years? So, so if, you're refer, if you're referring to overdoses, uh, I, I'm not sure of those numbers. If you're referring okay, to then fatalities... Stop, then I would like to have you supply us with how many overdose deaths there were. Because I have heard from experts that, whose judgment I respect that they don't know of any. So that would be really important for you to provide, at least to me, if not to the committee. What is more dangerous and addictive, methamphetamines and cocaine or marijuana? So, you know, I, I don't think anyone would dispute the fact that there's relative uh, uh, toxicity uh, related to those drugs. You know, what but, I ask but I'm afraid... What's, what's, but I'm, more, what's more dangerous and what is more addictive? Uh, 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 you know, cocaine this, and meth or marijuana? Mm -hmm. Pretty uh, simple. I, I think that conversation uh, uh, minimizes the harm. No, I'm not trying to minimize the harm. I want to know which is more dangerous and addictive. I, you know, again, I go, I go back as, you a don't public, know? as a public health person. You know, one of the things that we look at is not what's the relative risk of one drug. Okay. Of a, against Let me just another. say that I think that your equivocation right there, being unable to answer something clearly and definitively when there is unquestioned evidence to the contrary, is why young people don't believe the propaganda, why they think it's benign. If a professional like you cannot answer clearly that meth is more dangerous than marijuana, which every kid on the street knows, mm -hmm. which every parent knows, mm -hmm. if you can't answer that, maybe that's why we're failing to educate people about the dangers. 
I don't want kids smoking marijuana. I agree with the chairman. But if the deputy director of the Office of Drug Policy can't answer that question, how do you expect high school kids to take you seriously? So, so Representative, I didn't mean to be disrespectful, and I didn't mean to indicate that there, uh, that there is, not, that is not different degrees of toxicity associated with I asked drugs. what was more dangerous. You couldn't answer it. No. And I just want to say that you, sir, represent what's part of the problem. Let me go a little further. So, sir, that's Let's exactly not what I'm saying. What's, what kills more people, tobacco or marijuana? I, you know, there's, there's been a fair amount of tobacco-associated deaths. The, the, my, my challenge and the reason I'm hesitating about answering the questions as it relates to relative risk is I think that, many that, times that, that conversation gets distorted, that there's trying, no risk. That I'm there's, not trying to trap you. No, no, no. But, but this is why, Representative, no I don't want to be disrespectful. Let me, let me suggest that your inability to answer me, whether tobacco or marijuana is more dangerous, again, is part of the problem. Mr. Connolly documented very clearly that we have been able to drop dramatically tobacco use. And it kills more people than marijuana, if you don't know that. But we've been able to drop that without locking people up without arresting. I think this administration has seen three to four million people arrested for marijuana since it's been in office. Mm -hmm. uh, and know. yet we've been able to drop tobacco use without being coercive. We've, used, we've, been, we've been using fact-based advertising and we've focused our efforts on things that matter rather than things that don't work. Mm -hmm. And I I'd respectfully suggest that you and the department take a step back. If you're concerned that somehow people think marijuana is benign, that part of the reason is that drug professionals can't communicate in ways that the rest of America does. So, so I appreciate your being here, and I welcome any written follow-up to my questions. So, I'm not trying to trap you, but I'm not, very discouraged by your inability to answer questions. So, so, so let me tell you, this morning, I spent uh, the bulk of my morning with a number of parents from across the country who are doing everything they can do to prevent drug use, and particularly prescription drug use, and many of them whose kids have died of an overdose. And I asked them, what more can the federal government be doing in terms of preventing substance use and preventing the tragedies? They, and they told me they cannot understand why states are moving to medical marijuana and legal medical marijuana. They cannot understand it because they understand from a very acute level the message that legalization sends them. And these are, so this is not from a bureaucrat in Washington. These are from parents who struggle on a daily basis and have been devastated by addiction and their kids. And they understand, they understand in a very dramatic and real way that legalizing marijuana sends the absolute wrong message to our youth.
A clip from Dr. Sanjay Gupta's documentary, Weed, which airs on CNN this Sunday night. Sanjay spent a year investigating the fight over medical marijuana. More and more Americans are using it. Just a few days ago, Washington, D.C. opened up its first medical marijuana dispensary. And CNN's chief medical correspondent, Dr. Sanjay Gupta, joins me now. Sanjay, welcome to you. Thank you. Thanks for having so, me. So, come on, you've been looking at this for a year. And I want to remind you that in nine, uh, 2009, you wrote a Time magazine article entitled Why I Would Vote No on Pot. You changed your mind. I, I have, and and, uh, and as part of uh, you know my thinking reason, I, I've apologized for some of the earlier reporting because I think you know we've been terribly and systematically misled in this country for some time, and I I was I did part of that misleading, you know if, if you look at all the papers that are written in the United States about marijuana, the vast majority of them are about the harm. That we fund studies on harm, we don't fund studies on benefit nearly as much. So it gives a distorted picture. But you know, I didn't look far enough, I didn't look deep enough, I didn't look at labs in other countries that are doing some incredible research, I didn't listen to the chorus of patients who said, not only does marijuana work for me, it's the only thing that works for me. I took the DEA at their word yeah. when they said it's a Schedule One substance and has no medical applications. There was no scientific basis for them to say that. So when, when New York Mayor Bloomberg was quoted as saying medical marijuana is the greatest hoax of all time, what do you say to him? I, I'm surprised. You know, I mean, I, I uh, follow a lot of the mayor's comments quite closely. I listen to those comments as well. He, as part of those same comments, he was saying that the potency of marijuana has gone up. That is true. It has gone up probably over the last several years. But I, I urge him to look at the scientific papers. I was just looking at them again in preparation for your show. The science is there. This isn't anecdotal. This isn't the realm, in the realm of conjecture anymore. I mean, for a long time, we've just ignored these papers. But this was a drug, you know, that was used for thousands of years. Now, in your documentary, you get into the effects of medical marijuana, which sometimes can be quite instant. It's quite dramatic. It, it, it really can. It works, and it can work very quickly. In fact, let, let me just show you. I always have two strains. I Meet 19-year-old Chaz Moore. He uses many different strains of marijuana, many of them high in CBD, to treat his rare disorder of the diaphragm. My abs will, like, lock up. That's why he's talking this way, almost speaking in hiccups, like he can't catch his breath. It's called myoclonus diaphragmatic flutter. This fluttering here, it's annoying, but it becomes painful yeah. um, pretty quickly, I imagine. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, after like 15, 20 minutes is where I can like start to really feel He's about to show me how the marijuana works. He's been convulsing now for seven minutes. How quickly do you expect this to work? Within like the first five minutes. And I'm done. Like, that's it. That's it. It was actually less than a minute. Depending on the attack in the day. I mean, that is pretty extraordinary. It, he, he was on so many different meds, peers. It, it, it was a table full of meds that doctors had prescribed for him for this condition, including Oxycontin, Valium. Any of those medications in too high a dose could have been really problematic, and they didn't work. I mean, look, you know, the, the proof is, is, is becoming increasingly clear, I think, if you look for it. Let's take a short break. When we come back, we're going to get, make things a bit lively, Sandra. We're going to bring in Howard Samuels, the CEO of the Hills Treatment. Now, you, you and he have clashed horns before. We're going to do it again after the break because he does not agree with you. And he's going to be quite forceful about it. Let's get to that after the break.
The medical marijuana controversy rages on in America. Should it be legal or not? Let's debate it. Back with us now is Dr. Sanjay Gupta. Also joining us is Howard Samuels, who's a former addict turned founder of the Hills Treatment Center for Drug and Alcohol Rehabilitation. Howard Samuels, we've spoken before about this. You feel very strongly from your own experiences as a personal addict and treating other addicts that it's a real gateway drug, marijuana, and we should not be encouraging it to be legalized. Well... Absolutely. I mean, I think that the doctor has a very good point that for medical purposes, marijuana can be very, very useful. But you have to understand the vast majority of people that use weed use it to get loaded. They use it to get high. And look, I'm not here to say that it's, you know, worse than alcohol. Of course, it's not worse than alcohol. But why in the world would we legalize another drug so our nation's youth have another uh, substance to abuse and medicate their feelings with? You know, and this is to me the, the issue. We don't want to go from one extreme, reefer madness, which we know is a total exaggeration, but we don't want to go to the other extreme where we legalize this drug and endanger so many of our young people. Okay. We want to so, find a healthy balance. Okay, let me throw that point to Sanjay. It's a point well made, quite reasoned. Sanjay. Well, I mean, look, it, it can be difficult to, to sort of stratify the legitimate patients who have use for cannabis not only as a medication but as the only medication for their suffering and as as the doctor says people who just want to get loaded or get high that's true but if it's, it's no it's more harmful than alcohol or tobacco why shouldn't it be legalized where isn't there an inconsistency in government policy I, I i think so and and let me take it a step further than that i think it's irresponsible of the medical community not to offer this as an alternative. Two points. First of all, these other medications that we talk about for pain, for example, morphine, dilaudid, oxycontin, Vicodin, you name it. Every 19 minutes in this country, peers, in the United States, someone dies of an accidental prescription drug overdose. Mm -hmm. This is no joke. Every 19 minutes. As we investigated this, I couldn't find one documented case of someone dying of a marijuana overdose. We also know that for some situations, like neuropathic pain, which is that lancinating, terrible pain people can get in their limbs or extremities, sometimes marijuana is the only thing that can actually well, I, I work. Know, I've known someone with cancer who used it, and it had huge beneficial effects. I mean, my, my point to you, Howard Samuels, is this, is that I'm going to make a shocking revelation here. I've tried cannabis when I was a young, younger lad, and I've also had to have... Vicodin when I broke some ribs, falling off embarrassingly a Segway uh, in Santa Monica. And I can tell you that it was the Vicodin uh, which I was prescribed by my doctor, which gave me a massively higher high than the cannabis ever did. And I couldn't see the logic between making the Vicodin a legally prescribed drug and making cannabis this denomized drug. Explain to me the difference. Well, I have to agree with you. I mean, I have no disagreement with that. I mean, I don't have an issue with marijuana being used for certain pain things. I mean, of course it's safer than Vicodin. I mean, I've had patients die off Vicodin. I've never had anybody die off marijuana, but I have had people come to me, hundreds of people that I've had to treat that have addiction to marijuana, that have serious emotional side effects as a result of that. So I think the issue here is, you know, being able to to decriminalize marijuana without 
question, but not making it legal. But let me ask which you this. Really let me ask you this then. Okay, because I, I think that it's safe. Okay, because it's not right. I think you're slightly softening your position though from when I last spoke to you. Because if I'm wrong, your real the, the logical extension of your argument is that we should be banning all sorts of prescription drugs, probably alcohol as well, and tobacco. They should all be banned as well as cannabis, because that's the logical way of looking at your argument. No, no, I never, and, and I'm sorry if, I mis, uh, if you misunderstood me, that all these drugs do have a place. The problem is that we don't have a medical restrictions that these drugs are all too open on the market for abuse. Okay, marijuana needs to be a controlled substance, not legalized where we have commercials and we're sort of, you know, the corporations are talking about which drug to get loaded on, you know, marijuana okay. this, marijuana that. Okay, let that's me... what I'm talking about. Okay, let me we, get a, we we, let me get a sound, Jay. We have to come up with a different concept. Okay, here, let me then legalize or not. Let me go back to Sanjay. Let me ask you, Sanjay. I've made my stunning confession. I tried a bit of cannabis when I was younger. Have you tried it? I, I, I have tried it. I, it's, what it's, effect did it have on you compared you know, to, say, drinking alcohol or whatever? Well, you know, the irony is, in, in some ways, because I've worked on this documentary, it was, it was a while ago that I tried this. I, I didn't particularly care for it, actually. I, it, it made me kind of anxious, uh, and, and it wasn't a, a very pleasant feeling, I think. And, and, and I've talked to a lot of people who've, who've had similar sort of experiences. But from a medicinal standpoint, th this idea that it can provide something that isn't already provided, I think the doctor, you know, he's sort of saying you're going to see ads for it, making it sound like it's some over-the-counter drug that everyone mm. can buy. Right now it's listed as, as the most dangerous substance. It's in the category of most dangerous Which substances in America. Which is ridiculous, I think. They, they, it's, it, the addiction is possibly real, about 9%. Put it in context, cocaine is about 20%. That's actually considered less dangerous than marijuana. Mm. Alcohol is, has a higher rate of addiction. Smoking. 30%, and, and that leads to far more deaths than marijuana. So it's, 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 I, I just don't quite understand the moral equivalence that the doctor is making here. Right. Uh, Howard Samuels, it's always good well, to talk but, to you. But, well, but, let me but, final but, word but, to you, Howard Samuels. I'm not comparing. I'm not saying marijuana is more dangerous than cocaine. Of course it's not. You know, the, the U.S. government ridiculous. is saying that. I am saying, though that marijuana should not be legalized because it is harmful to the emotional state of people have long-term exposure to it. And I've seen that. And anybody in the treatment field is going to tell you the same thing. But isn't that... Howard Samuels, Howard Samuels, let me jump in. Let me jump in. Isn't that also true, though, of so many other things? I mean, isn't it true of alcohol, tobacco, Vicod, and everything else? Is that you will have a percentage of people... You have a percentage question. of people. So, the but here's the point that Sanjay's making: is there has to be surely but, but a consistency. Is not to legalize it. Right, but we're then, doing the same thing. We're we're giving more people an opportunity to get loaded. Why do we want to support that? Okay, last word to you, Sanjay. Well, look, I, I, I'm not quite sure I follow uh, the, the doctor's arguments here. I, I think it is a potentially very effective medicine that has not been given a fair shake for 70 years in this country. I think it can treat things uh, that other medicines that exist now that are far more dangerous, far more toxic, lead to far more deaths, cannot treat. It's, it's bizarre to me, quite frankly. I think it's inhumane to these patients who, who, who can't get this treatment. I met patients in Colorado who, who can get treatment, but they can never leave their state. It, it's ridiculous. And, and the doctor, I think, maybe he would agree with me, maybe he won't, I'm not sure, I don't understand his position, but it is irresponsible, I think, of the medical community not 
to have this as an option. I have children. I don't want them getting loaded, as he says, on this stuff either. That's not the point. Right. The point is that we're trying to help take care of people, and we should not take marijuana off the table as an option here. Sanjay, got to leave it there. Good and, to and talk I, to you. And I totally, I totally agree with you. But we shouldn't legalize it so our kids have an okay. option to get loaded on uh, a daily Samuels, basis. You've made That's your point. Okay. You've made your point, sir, very loudly and clearly. It's a debate that will carry on raging because Americans are talking about this up and down the country, and more and more states are beginning to legalize it for medicinal reasons. Anyway, Sanjay's documentary, Weed, is this Sunday at 8 p.m. on CNN. In 2014 the latest statistics that I have seen, there were 620,000 arrests for marijuana possession. That is one arrest every minute. According to a report by the American Civil Liberties Union, there were more than 8 million marijuana arrests in the United States from 2001 to 2010 Almost 9 in 10 of those arrests were for possession. Arrest for marijuana possession rose last year nationwide, even as Colorado, Washington, Oregon, Alaska, and the District of Columbia became the first states to legalize personal use of marijuana. And let us be clear, as is the case in many other areas, that there is a racial component to this situation. Although, although about the same proportion of blacks and whites use marijuana, a black person is almost four times more likely to be arrested for marijuana possession than a white person. Too many Americans have seen their lives destroyed because they have criminal records as a result of marijuana use. That is wrong. That has got to change. <clears throat> and let's be clear, but I, I, I think a lot of people may not fully appreciate this, is that a criminal record could mean not only time in jail, but a criminal record makes it harder for a person to get a job, harder for a person to get public benefits, harder for a person to even get housing. A criminal record stays with a person for his or her entire life. It is a serious business. Right now, marijuana is listed by the federal government as a Schedule I drug, meaning that it is considered to be as dangerous as heroin. That is absurd. In my view, the time is long overdue for us to remove the federal prohibition on marijuana. In my view, states should have the right to regulate marijuana 
the same way that state and local laws now govern the sale of alcohol and tobacco. And among other things, that means that recognized businesses in states that have legalized marijuana should be fully able to use the banking system without fear of federal prosecution. In addition, in those states that decide to go forward, and I'm not here advocating that states do it. That is the decision of the individual states within our federal system. But those states that choose to go forward can then tax alcohol like they tax, can tax marijuana like they tax alcohol and cigarettes and in fact earn a substantial amount of money. Colorado is making right now about $50 million a year through the taxation of marijuana. And in Colorado, and I believe other states, some of that revenue is being used to fight the effects of substance abuse, of hard drugs like opiates that are harming so many communities. In the year 2015, it is time for the federal government to allow states to go forward as they best choose. It is. It is time to tax and regulate marijuana like alcohol. It is time to end the arrests of so many people and the destruction of so many lives for possessing marijuana. I do have one real question for you, Mr. President. What's with the marijuana crackdown? I mean, seriously, what is the concern? We will deplete the nation's Funyun supply? You know, pot smokers vote too, sometimes a week after the election, but they vote. <laughs> Let's take a quick poll. I would like everyone in this room to raise your, raise your hand if you've never smoked pot. <laughs> there you go. Look at Britt Hume, he's high right now. He's on his fourth almond macaroon. <laughs> Mr. President, I hope you don't think I'm out of line here, but marijuana is something that real people care about, and the fact that you believe Speaker Boehner when he tells you he still has control of his party leads me to believe that you must be smoking some crazy great weed yourself. <laughs> Woody Harrelson just woke up. I thought the same thing. You know, I didn't start smoking pot until about five years ago. I thought pot made you stupid. You know, I bought into it just as much as anybody did. I realized when I was like 30 years old that I was tricked. I was like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. People say, well, you can abuse marijuana. Well, shit, you can abuse cheeseburgers too. You know, you don't go around closing Burger King because you can abuse something. I can take a fucking fork and jam it in my eyeballs. That mean forks should be illegal? You know, I could jump off a bridge. Should we outlaw bridges? Let's nerf the world. Spokesmen for giant special interest groups, whether those special interest groups be law enforcement or whether they're private prisons or whether they're pharmaceutical companies or whether they're oil companies. We have spokesmen for gigantic corporations that are trying to calm us and get us to press the right button in the voting booth. 
It's real simple. You put your loafers on, you put your black socks on, you get in your car, you have your briefcase, you say hi to your neighbors, he mows his lawn just like you do, and things keep moving along in the same direction they always have been. That's why marijuana laws exist. If people do do drugs and they commit crimes along those drugs, they should, in fact, be punished. But you can't punish someone for something that hurts no one. In 10,000 years of known use of marijuana, there's never been a single death attributed to marijuana. There's 400,000 deaths in America alone every year that are directly attributed to tobacco. How many people in this country alone are addicted to antidepressants? How many people who are on antidepressants really have imbalances and how many of them just got off of a bad relationship and they're depressed? The people that have personality problems and the people that are going to be lazy and going to lose their job, they're going to lose their job anyway. They're not losing their job because of marijuana. That's just a lie. Great quote that uh, life is uh, a tragedy to those who feel and a comedy to those who think. And if you are a thinker and you look at the marijuana situation and you're not laughing, you're fucking dumb. It's a weird thing that you do when you make nature against the law. There's a movement in this country and some people have more faith in it than, than I do. Uh, I've, maybe from hosting Fear Factor all those years, I've lost my faith in human beings and, and their intelligence. When I published Marijuana Reconsidered, uh, I in the last chapter predicted that once people understood these things about marijuana, the prohibition would be gone. It would be gone in 10 years. Carl Sagan, who was a very good friend of mine, read the manuscript and he said, Lester, you're so pessimistic. 10 years? <laughs> you know, well, here we are, you know, uh, uh, 45 years later, and nothing has happened. Nonetheless, it can't help but happen. I mean, you can't sustain a lie like that forever. In the midst of this backlash, Dr. Peter Bourne, Carter's chief drug policy advisor, was caught up in a scandal involving alleged cocaine use. As the press had a field day, the president could no longer afford to appear soft on drugs. His proposal to decriminalize marijuana would die in Congress. I'm sick and tired of hearing about all of the radicals and the perverts and the liberals and the leftists and the communists coming out of the closets. It's time for God's people to come out of the closets, out of the churches, and change America. We must do it. Driven by a sense of righteous indignation, the religious right mobilized into a potent political force. After a brief period of tolerance, America was poised for a major swing the other way. Leading medical researchers are coming to the conclusion that marijuana, pot, grass, whatever you want to call it, is probably the most dangerous drug in the United States, and we haven't begun to find out all of the ill effects, but they are permanent ill effects. The loss of memory, for example. This is your brain on drugs. Any questions? Just say no. Just say no. 
In her crusade for a drug-free America, Mrs. Reagan led school Our children... Our police officers in schools to spy on... The president today ordered mandatory drug testing for all federal employees. He then called for the nation's industries to screen their... The Supreme Court has given school principals the right to strip search any student suspected of drug possession. Citing a threat to national security, the president today signed legislation allowing law enforcement agencies to seize property from the... Under President George Bush's new zero-tolerance policy, marijuana is Using illegal drugs is against the law. And when you're caught, you will be punished. Some think there won't be room for them in jail. We'll make room. The rules have changed. In a speech to the Coast Guard today, George Bush said that drug trafficking should be grounds for the death penalty. I'm proposing a quarter of a billion, billion dollars, 2.2 billion, $8 billion, the largest increase in history. Since President Clinton took office, over three million people have been arrested for possession of marijuana, more than under any previous administration. The United States government continues to wage a war on grass that, time and time again, has proven itself misguided and completely ineffective.
Your neighborhood watch officer will be by to collect urine samples in the morning. Anyone caught interfering with the collection of urine samples will be shot. Stay in your home. Remain calm. The number one enemy of progress is questions. National security is more important than individual will. All sports broadcasts will proceed as normal. No more than two people may gather anywhere without permission. Use only the drugs prescribed by your boss or supervisor. Shut up! Be happy! Obey all orders without question! The comfort you've demanded is now mandatory. Be happy. At last, everything is done for you.